Oh, hallelujah. Reach around and greet somebody tonight. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you blessed tonight? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Good to see you. We're going to pray for a few needs here in a minute. But Sister Terry, before you sit down, won't you come on and sh share a testimony? We got a testimony she said she just had to share. So I want you to go ahead and share it with us, sweetheart. Thank you very much. Uh, I have to first give you the scripture as to why I have to give his testimony. Psalm 73:28 says, I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Yes. Yes. Uh, a while back, I began to have some health problems, some health issues, and uh, that was my carotid artery. I'm going to try to make this as compact as possible and still give glory to him. But uh, they did test, and they found I have a torturous artery up here, and it can't be fixed, and basically it won't kill me, though, so I learned to live with it. And, but while they were doing the test, they found a mass on my thyroid, and uh, the doctor said, uh, well, we're going to have to send you to a general surgeon. So I went to the general surgeon, and the general surgeon said, well, we're going to have to do a further test, um, a sonogram that will show us exactly what we've got. So I went in and I did that test, expecting, you know, to come back that there wasn't anything there. And, and came in, he said, uh, guess what? <laughs> I could find nothing when I felt, but when we did the test, you have two masses on your thyroid and one of them is of significant size three and a half centimeters which is bigger than a quarter and then a smaller one that was one and a half centimeters and uh, I said huh <laughs> I mean I just totally was shocked and and he was too I mean I had no problems with my thyroid you know my my thyroid numbers were good but blood work was good but but I had these two things that I had to deal with and and uh, the first thing I did was of course go to the Lord with it and he said I got your back. Don't worry about it. Hallelujah. Said, okay. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. He's got no. my back. So no. I, I said, we'll just go through this process. And, and one of the processes that he, he told me uh, was I would have to have some more tests done. And uh, one of the tests would be a thyroid um, scan, sort of like the CT, but they would inject me or they would give me some iodine so there'd be a contrast. And they could see whether these masses were cold or warm. And those of you in the medical profession know what that means. I don't. But one's good and one's bad. <laughs> and he said, then after we do that, then you'll go back two days later, and they're going to do two needle biopsies in my thyroid, sticking needles in right here. And uh, he said, um, no, they won't put me to sleep. And I'm thinking, a needle in my throat. Oh, Lord. <laughs> You don't have any idea if people, the idea of my throat has always been my big hang-up on my health. I've, I've had heart trouble, and God's delivered me from that. I've had this and that, and I can take needles anywhere in my body, I thought, but not my throat. I've always said I wouldn't have a respirator. I can't, I can't deal with that. So God says, I got your back, remember? Yeah, Lord, you got my back. And, and we continued on this process. My, uh, I didn't even come up and ask for prayer because the Lord said, I've got you covered. You just trust me with it. But the people who were around me knew about it, and I told them the things. And so God raised up warriors in this church to begin to pray for me. And, and I had the prayer support. I know Brother Russell, was. I never even told him about it, but he got the word, and he was praying for me. And, and I'm sure Sister Cindy was praying for me. And I have another friend whose little boy and little girl prayed for me every night in their prayers, you know. Oh. You know, I mean, you know, a little four-year-old and a, and a three-year-old, they would pray for me every night, and God just surrounded me with prayer warriors. And before this started, he said, do you trust me? I said, well, yes, Lord, I trust you. He said, no, do you trust me? When my son, some of you may not know this, was 23 years old, uh, the Lord asked me, do you trust me with your son? And he asked me to stop praying for my son except for his perfect will to be done. And some of you know this and some of you don't, but my son died. And he reminded me that he said, do you still trust me? Did that change your mind of where I stand? I said, no, Lord, it didn't. I know exactly where he is. I know where my son is. I have confidence that you love him even more than I did, and you knew what was best. And you worked this out. So 
yeah, I'll trust you with my life. So I didn't pray, but all these people God raised up. Everything I did was, okay, Lord, in your perfect will, in your perfect will. And uh, so I go for these tests, and, uh, well, before I did, I have to couple more things. I got anointed with oil by a friend who, who um, touched my throat, and during this prayer said, you won't even have to, I'm praying that you won't even have to have the biopsy. Once they do the other test, they'll find out you don't even have to have it. So we go on along this thing, and, and a long story short here, uh, one day it started um, wind, uh, wind outside right after we were discussing this thing with my health, and we go to the back door to see what it was, and there was this gorgeous rainbow, and it hadn't been raining in Pineville. Some of you saw it. I heard it was this gorgeous rainbow, and it hadn't been raining. It was like he wanted to make sure we went and saw it by having this thing beat on our back door to come bring me outside, you know. See, my promises is true. Don't, don't lose hope. Don't grow faint. And so I went for the first test, and there was a problem with the things at the hospital, and they had to reschedule it for the next week, and then they scheduled the thyroid scan, and they were going to do the biopsy. And I did the thyroid scan, but before I went that morning, I had a dream. All along the way, God was ministering to me. I had a dream about putting on brakes. It's another long story, but about putting on brakes in the car. I'm in the machine where they're doing the scan, and I began to laugh. He showed me that dream again, and he said, you're in control of that brake. You stop this when you're ready. Nobody else can stop it for you. So I got out of the thyroid scan, and I said, oh, by the way, I'm not going to have the biopsy. And he said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, I'm not going to have the biopsy. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I said, but thank you very much for arranging it, but I'm not going to do it. And he said, well, oh, before he put me in there, he said, that I, he was going to be praying for me for the biopsy. I had a Christian guy who was doing this. So uh, make a, trying to wrap this up here, he talked to some other people, brought some more people in. Three of them looked at the scans together, and I said, I would like to wait in here if the, with the doctor because he can tell you right away if it was bad news. And I said, I would like to hear what he has to say, but it's not going to change my mind. I'm still not going to have the biopsy. But I said, I would like to hear what he has to say. But they said it would be like an hour and a half wait. So they called some more people in. They looked at my scans, and then they sent a lady out to talk to me. And she says, let me explain to you what a biopsy does, how we're going to do it, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, thank you. Wow, you really made me feel better if I had to have it, but I'm not having it. Thank you. And uh, she said, she laughed, and she said, she covered her name badge. She said, you can't tell anybody I told you this, so you don't know who she was, so I'm not breaking my word. She said, I don't know what they would biopsy. There was nothing there. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> there was nothing there, and God, like I said, spoke all the way around. The way. John got to the car when we were leaving the hospital and turned on the radio, and it was on a country station, and a country song says the first word he heard of, there is no cancer. God is good, or something. how did it go, John? There is a God. How much more proof God. do you need? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you for your healing power. And, Lord, we just lift up right now Hilda before you. Lord, the heart complications and surgery, we just ask for healing for her and also for Monique. The physicians are wanting hospice, but Father, we pray for a working of miracles in her life to raise her up. We thank you that it's not the end. We pray and believe it's the beginning. She's a young lady. She will not die and live. We pray, Father, for Chris's mother, and we just thank you for touching her heart and causing those things. And Father, all those that you've been hearing the saints lift up into prayers and the supplications of the saints. We think that you're hearing and you're ready to answer them. We thank you that you are able and you're far able to do. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, we're glad you're here tonight. I want to share a scripture with you real quick. And it's just good to see all of you. Praise God. And I uh, want to encourage you to be back here Sunday morning. We had a good time this last Sunday. And we're going to have another good time. How many of you know whatever you do, you do as unto the Lord? Amen. So can I ask you to do something? If you have a pickup or you don't mind, if you, we, we, the parking lots in the front were full Sunday, and, but we only had 13 places left in the parking lot in the back. So if anybody, I park back there all the time, so if anybody with a pickup or somebody who want to help park back there so we can leave some of these places open, 
we'd really appreciate it. So I want to make that announcement. Don't forget to look at the announcements that we have. But in Job chapter 36, 15 and 16, listen to this. And this goes with the testimony. This is the Amplified. It says, He delivers the afflicted in their affliction and opens their ears to His voice. You kept hearing her say, The Lord told me, the Lord told me. It says, He delivers the afflicted in their affliction and He opens their ears to His voice in adversity. Indeed, God would have allured you out of the mouth of distress into a broad place where there is no situation, perplexity, or previation that which would be set on your table would be full of fatness. Or in other words, he's going to cause you to reflect that what he promised you he was going to do, he was going to do. And there's a voice of God as the Lord spoke to Sister Terry. The voice of the Holy Spirit is there to speak to you wherever you are, whatever you're going through, to assure you that he's going to cause those things and he's going to deliver you. How many of you received the deliverance? Amen. And I got this scripture. It speaks about the blessings. Of course, Job later on received uh, twofold. But uh, before we go forward, I, I just want to agree as a church for people of our community who have lost their jobs or are being told that they're being laid off. And how many you know that is affliction and adversity? That's a hard place to be. And I've been praying for them, and I know you have too. So let's just come in agreement right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we come together for those not only in this body, but those in this region, in our state, in our nation who are in the area of adversity right now. Lord, not knowing what to do, what decisions to make. Father, those who have families and mortgages and so many other things, we, we pray, Father, the God of all comfort, that you will comfort them and you will flood them with your peace. And in the midst of adversity, they will better hear your voice. And we know that faith comes by hearing your voice, hearing your word. So we pray that the faith would arise within their hearts, that they would know and they could trust you that you're going to bring them through every situation. Lord, we thank you that you are using this for the good that our nation falls on its face and cries out to you. We know that you're calling us to be a nation of holy, a holy people, a people who are pure, who are pure and a people who live for you. We're set apart as a nation for you, Father. So we thank you for moving on their behalf and encouraging each and every one who's discouraged at this time. And we thank you that, Lord, you are God that rebuked the devourer and Lord God, you said, you promised you would bless your people. So we thank you for blessings upon your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Do you agree with that? Thank you, Lord. Well, with us, just come forward. Let's receive tonight's offerings and tithe. I just want to encourage you about that. Also, don't forget that tomorrow night is ladies mentoring. Uh, Cindy, be having a mentoring. Then there's other things going on. So look at that. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we welcome you as we continue to study on Romans, but if you don't mind, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. I want to start off with something here. I want to start off with something encouraging as we get into the study and something that's heavy on our hearts when we have a heart for the nations and we've been there and I want to share this with you that you would Pray and keep this in your hearts. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 37. Pharaoh was a heathen god in the midst of paganism and everything else. And it says, uh, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. He called Joseph out of the prison. And it says, and the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants, all. Verse 38 says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this? How many of you know there's a difference between you and the world? Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has showed you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. So I want you just to make a note of that as we get into this message tonight about what the world needs to see. Not only America, but the world needs to see, as far as Christians go, that we are different, that we walk in a spirit of wisdom and knowledge and excellence, and that if Pharaoh could be won over, any heathen chief, any person in charge of any village, any president, any governor, any place in the world can be influenced by the power of God. I want you to hold that in your heart, that there is a wisdom, and there's, that, that this Pharaoh who had worshipped pagan gods all of his life, could recognize that Joseph had the Spirit of the Lord, his God, upon him, and it set him apart, and he said, there's no one like him. And I believe that it's God, what God wants to do to our missionaries, what God wants to do uh, to uh, each and every one of us as his disciples around the world. So now you go with me, please, to Romans chapter 1, as we get into this tonight, because we're going to be dealing with a subject very different, as Paul has been teaching us here, and we'll get into it even deeper and deeper. Because I know I'm going to be dealing with some of you who have questions about loved ones that, or people you've known. That you've said, that person was a good person. But I don't know if he was saved. I don't know if she was saved. As a missionary, I've been to places where I've had chiefs and witch doctors and different ones tell me. What happened to all of my family who never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus like we did? My wife and I have been able to go into villages where there were no churches. There were no ministries. And preaching the gospel, they got saved. But then the first thing that comes to their mind, well, what happened to my family? And Paul starts addressing this in the book of Romans. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. That Romans chapter 1, verse 18. If you're taking notes, write this down. And I'll encourage you to study this. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through chapter 3, verse 20. Romans 1, 18 through chapter 3, verse 20. Paul is dealing with the judgment of the lost, not the judgment of the saved. He's not dealing with salvation yet. He's dealing with the judgment for the lost. And I want you to see in chapter 3, look at verse 20 with me, what it says here. Chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law... It is the knowledge of sin. I want you to keep that in mind as we start seeing. And then in verse 21, he speaks now for salvation. It says, but now. Somebody say, but now. Are you a now person? But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through His redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set 
as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How many know there's only one name to heaven and that's Jesus? Amen. But there's some interesting things here that Paul starts speaking about. And tonight we're going to look at verses 6. And, and I want you to see this. Because he's talking about non-believers. Not, he's not talking to salvation until chapter 3 verse 21. He starts talking about the saved. But it says here in chapter 2 verse 6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds. Now he's been speaking of the lost. Eternal life to those by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, verse 8 is very important tonight. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, on the Jew first and also on the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there's no partiality in God. So I want to speak about a few things here tonight about the judgment of God, not only on the living, but on the dead. But I want you to see some things here where it talks about according to the deeds, not according to the words, but also only about the deeds. And I want you to look with me in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 12, because this is all going to play out as we study this tonight. Because I want you to see that Paul starts speaking about that their deeds are going to have a lot to do with the degree of eternal punishment. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 12. It says here in 24 verse 12. If you say surely we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Now, I want you to write that down. And later on, as you study this for yourself, uh, I want you just to look at this and study these things. Because this is a big question. What happens to the people who never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus? What happened to the people in Haiti who, who just died out of all that multitude that might have never accepted Christ Jesus? And so I want you to see that Paul's building something here about the deeds, the works of these people are going to have a lot to do when it comes to judgment. Now remember this, and, and go with me now to uh, Matthew, I mean, let's go on to 2 Timothy 4.14. 4, what we've studied before quite a few times is that we're told, be careful not to judge. God is going to do the judging. And Paul had this revelation. He spoke this about Alexandria the coppersmith. In verse 14 it says, This man did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Now the, the uh, New Living says, But the Lord will judge him for what he has done. And this is what Paul keeps bringing out here. Now look with me in uh, Matthew 16, 27. And just write these scriptures down and then you go back over them. In, in Matthew 16, 27, this is the Living Bible. It says, For the Son of Man will come with His angels in the glory of His Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Now you see, here it is again. He's going to judge all people, how? According to their deeds. And then I want you to look with me in Revelations chapter 22. Revelation 22 verse 12. Revelations 22 verse 12. It says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to to their deeds do you see that because you know a lot of times praise God salvation is not by works or deeds but here we have gone over some scriptures that deeds 
are really brought up when it comes to all the people being judged by God as supreme judge over everyone. And I gave you just gave you four or five scriptures that speaks about God judging according to the deeds and the works. Now, there's been books written about people who've gone to heaven and pe- or people who've gone to hell. And there's people who said that a n- number of their... Uh, Visitations were the same, where in hell there was different degrees of, of suffering, different degrees of torment. We know in the book of Revelation it speaks about people living outside of Jerusalem and having to come in to eat of the tree of life. But there's some things here that we're going to look at and study at because how many know God is just, and it says that He knows each person's heart and He knows them by their deeds. And so you may have had a loved one that you don't know if they're saved or not. And what I usually tell people at funerals, you don't even know what they ended up praying on their deathbed when nobody else was around. And you don't know what's going on in their heart. And, and this is some of the things Paul's going to get into tonight. He's going to bring up some areas of the conscience. And he's going to bring up that in men's hearts, there's a knowing of good and evil. And if they continue, as it said in Romans chapter 2, if they continue to do good, and he says, I'm going to repay them according to their deeds, then many commentaries say, Without Christ, you do go to hell, but each man will be dealt with according to their works and their deeds. And so we want to look at this more clearly tonight. Uh, the, the word here in the Greek speaks about as a man truly believes on God and works for him, either his reward or punishment will be according to his works, what he has done with or without God. Uh, it talks about being patient and continuing the work and be steadfast, endure, persevere, stick to it, continue, be a well-doer and faithful in doing good works. Speaks about a person who just doesn't start something but continues and, and, and his life is to do what is good or he spends his life doing that which is evil. Revelation 3.11 says, Behold, I come quickly, hold fast thou which thou hast, and let no man take thy crown. How many of you know we're not only going to be saved through the blood in the name of Jesus Christ, but we want to do good deeds too, Amen. So many times we think that being saved, we're, you know, we don't have to worry about worrying about our fellow man or helping them out. But how many of you heard the word tonight? He is going to, we're all going to stand before him about the deeds, whether they're good or they're bad. And we want to make sure they're good. Amen. Now it says here in the, in the uh, Greek study, it says that God is measuring, here in the Greek it says he's measuring the behavior of humanity. The people in India, the people in China, the people in Mongolia, the people in South America, the people two, three thousand years ago before that who never heard about Christ and those afterwards who have never heard. He's going to weigh their works and the way they lived in humanity. It's not just what you know, but how many is what you do. Now the word in Romans 2, 4 uses the word repentance. The word repent means to turn around and recognize one's condition and do something about it. Now, you know, we all know how to repent as far as acknowledging, Lord, that's a sin, and Lord, I ask you to forgive me and wash me in your blood. But many times we're guilty about repenting about what we're doing, but we don't do something about it. We don't change what we're doing. It talks here that in the heart of humanity, there's a way many times that somebody will realize they're doing right and they stop it. And that is the work of repentance. Like say somebody in a different village or a, a tribe in some other country. All of a sudden they feel in their heart it's wrong to have many wives and they need to just stay with the one wife and, and not do the different things they were doing and they, they stop from doing that. They may never ask God to, re, to forgive them but by their deeds they're repenting. Sometimes that means more than just saying Lord forgive me I know I've sinned and tomorrow we do the same thing. But it means to recognize one condition, do something about it, to change one's mind and make a decisive turn. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to change that. We see here in Romans 1, 5, and all the way in chapter 16, verse 26, the book of Romans ends this way. I want want to read this to you. Romans 16, 25, and I know you're wondering, man, this sounds controversial. Well, let's just get through this study. I'm not saying the people without Christ are going to heaven, but I just want to bring out what Paul is saying over three chapters here as we continue to study this. In Romans 16, verse 26, this is how it ends. It says, But now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience. Obedience is from verse 5 all the way through Revelation, for obedience to the faith. 
To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever again. Now I want you to see 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. How many are thankful tonight you're saved? Amen. Amen. Oh, my. Thank God for heaven. Oh, I don't even want to think of hell. But yet my heart burns for the people in other nations and people who don't have the opportunity to know Jesus like you and I do. I hate it that so many times we take it for granted that... We're a Christian nation, and we have Christian bookstores and Christian TV. You can watch t- Christian TV 24 hours a day and Christian radio anywhere you go. We are so blessed, and we take that for granted. And my wife and I have been places where they've never heard of Jesus before. And when God was calling me here, one of the things that was hard on me was still knowing of villages that still don't have any churches. And encouraging the people there to go out to those places and go out and open up churches and, and tell the people about Jesus while there's still time. But even in this country, we have seen, we had over 157 first-time salvations last year in, in this church. Hallelujah. And church, there are people out there who don't know Christ. And I don't want to take a chance on good deeds giving me a lesser degree of hell or not. I just don't even want to go to hell. But there's those people, you wonder what's happening to them. The evildoers will suffer severe judgment. The evildoer is to be judged for three reasons. And this is in the Greek here. He's contentious, contentious against God. The evildoer does not like what God says, so he strives against him. He wrestles and struggles and fights against God. He refuses to surrender to God's will And this is called the evildoer there in the book of Romans that God will deal with the person who is just stubborn and going, I'm not going to change my ways no matter what God says, no matter what his word says, I'm going to live the way I want to. And this is called contentions here. And it means he does not obey the truth. He sees and hears and knows the truth. But even in knowing the truth, he refuses to do it. He refuses to be persuaded and refuses to believe. He rejects both Christ's the truth of the word, and the written truth. He simply goes about his own life, running, controlling as he wills, and rejects anything that has to do with truth or the word. This is the person who's going to receive the greater damnation. He knows about Christ. He knows what's right. He knows the word, but he still refuses, and this person will suffer a greater degree of judgment. It says here that no evildoer will escape. He will suffer the judgment and will be severely and terribly and eternally punished. Let me give you some scriptures here. I'm just going to read them to you. Matthew 25, 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Luke 3, 17. He will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat to his gardener, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Don't let anyone tell you there is not a hell. Luke 12, 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. There we see a degree of punishment. This person was more responsible. He knew what he was supposed to do. He heard the truth. He'd been taught the word. Might have been raised in church, but he didn't want to do. He was just dependent. He was just going to do what he wanted to do. It says that person will be beaten with many stripes. So there's a different degree there. Romans 2.8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. 2 Thessalonians 1.7-9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God, 
and that obey not the gospel and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Hebrews 10, 29. Of how much sore punishment, deeper level of punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite Unto the spirit of grace. 2 Peter 2.9 The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Amen. And to reserve the unjust. Unto the day of judgment. To be punished. Revelations 20 verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Was cast into the lake of fire. Psalms 11.6 Upon the wicked shall he rain snares, fire, and brimstone, a horrible temptest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Isaiah 13, 11, And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Isaiah 26, 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Isaiah 59, 18. According to their deeds, you heard that? According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Write that down, Isaiah 59, 18. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. Jeremiah 21, 14. But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings. According to the fruit of your doings, saith the Lord. I will kindle a fire in the forest thereof, and it shall devour all things round about it. Malachi 4, 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. Then it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Everyone who doeth evil is going to receive, according to their recompense of reward, what they do. Now the Bible speaks in Romans chapter 2. It, and it, it speaks there in verse uh, 6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those by patient continuance in doing good. Seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Let me just give you some word study in those few words there. The first word is glory. They seek the glory. We got to seek the glory. Amen. That's not just the gold dust and the filling in the teeth and the falling out. It's seeking the presence and the lifestyle of God. The glory right there means to possess the full and perfect light. If we say we're of the light but yet we live in darkness, we are not of the light. He says, we've got to seek the glory. We've got to seek the light. I want to possess the light, and the light must possess me. So that word glory is the word doxa. It means the full perfect light. It means to dwell in perfect light. It means brilliance, splendor, luster, and it means the magnificence of God. It's a high calling to live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. And so we see here that when we live according to the glory, we're going to, have, we're going to be building out of uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, and they won't be burnt up. Amen? The Bible says in Matthew 13, 43, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who has ears, let him hear. Romans 8, 17 says, And if the children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Jesus Christ, if ye be that ye suffer with him, ye shall also be glorified in him. And the Bible speaks of the glorified body. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. So the glory speaks of the revelation of God. The next word we saw there in verse 7 is the word honor. Write this word down, the word honor. It means to acknowledge, not only to seek the presence and be the light and have the light, but also to seek the knowledge of the word and the will of God, what's right and pleasing to him. It means to recognize, 
to recognize what I'm doing right, recognize what I'm doing wrong, and change my ways knowing that I will be judged according to my deeds. It means to recognize. It means to be approved and to be accepted. Thank God we're accepted and approved in Christ Jesus. But it's, this is speaking as Paul's teaching there about works, about you know, not just flying by by the seat of our pants, but, but doing the works of Christ and being faithful. And it talks about being consistent. And it means to be every day, being fine, try to find something to do that's pleasing to the Lord, knowing that my life and that what I'm doing, I'm doing something for the glory of God. And that word there means we're to spend our time looking for the honor, to be approved, accepted. It means to be esteemed and exalted by God, not by man, but exalted by God. It means to be privileged and exalted to a position of responsibility for the service of God. You know, I want to just tell you how, how esteemed and proud of honor I know the Father is with those who come and, and take these prayer requests on Sunday morning and those who look them up on the web and think of the Williams who've so many years been working with the young at heart and the different ministries that are going on and the things that you do that some people don't even know about. Those are the things that God esteems and He blesses and those are the things He's going to call you forward in heaven and reward you about. But... We've got to be faithful in, in acknowledging and recognizing what God wants us to do. Luke nineteen seventeen tells us this. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. John twelve twenty six. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there also shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. How many servants do we have in the house tonight? Amen. He'll my father honor. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world judge be judged by you, are you worthy to judge the smallest matters? Talking about that word honor there. Know ye not that we shall judge and rule angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Revelation 3.21, to encourage us. To him that overcometh will I grant him to sit with me on my throne, even I also, as I also overcame, and am sat down with my Father in his throne. Psalms 91.14 says, Because you have set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high, because you know my name. Now the next word in verse 7 is immortality. It means living forever with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Living forever with God. It means, but listen, it also means this. It means right now to be incorruptible. Paul said that in another place, to be incorruptible, always abounding, bearing fruit for the work of the Lord. It means incorruptible. Paul was saying, uh, continue in doing good. Seek for glory, honor, and right here, uh, immortality, which is the incorruptible. Seek to be perfected. Seek to be made permanent and eternally moral. It means to be free from pain and tears, tired and weary over a lifestyle of sin, from trials and sin. It means to be free from defilement. It means free. Listen to this. It means to be free from weaknesses. Let the weak say they're what? Strong. Paul's getting deep here. I mean, listen, if you start talking about hell, how many know that gets deep? And he's saying your aim is to be perfect and it means not only immortality means eternally heaven, but it means to seek and aim to be perfect and free from defilement and even weaknesses. Well, you know, pastor, I'm just weak in that area. Well, Paul is saying make it your aim to get strong in that area. Amen, church. I mean, listen, this is some heavy stuff here. We are going to stand before the Almighty. And he says... He's talking here, he's talking about the lost and, and their punishment and, and, and according to their deeds. But he says, but your deeds are going to be looked at too. Now your deeds don't mean, is it going to make you to, is not going to take you to heaven. But you are going to stand before God on what you did with what you know. And what you did with these, especially these three words, the words honor and immortality. And so I believe there's some areas there that many times, well, you know, that's just part of my personality and character. I'm just weak in that area. Well, Paul is saying, well, you better get strong because it's going to burn up on that day. It's going to burn up on that day. It means, immortality means to deal with the areas you're frail. The areas that's causing you to suffer even to death. Listen to what the word immortality means. It means to be free from an imperfect world. Being placed in God 
even in an imperfect world, but to be perfect as he is perfect even in the midst that you live this life in an imperfect perfect world. Don't wait for perfection in the eternity of heaven. Look for perfection here on this earth. Amen? Amen. So we see that there's these things here that, that just, um, he keeps saying that to be to watch out and be careful. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And it goes on to say, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So with this corruptible shall have not Put on incorruption, and this mortal shall not have immortality. They shall be, it shall be brought to pass, the same which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Thank God that's going to be over with. Amen. Revelations 24, 1. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen. He's going to rebuke death and he's going to destroy it forever and we're going to live with him forever. Now Romans chapter 2 verse 8 gives us another word I want us to look at. It gives us the word contentious which is the word stubborn. Not only are the heathen stubborn but also the church many times is stubborn. And Paul is saying to be careful there because as he said there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Many times we, we are saved but we don't live like we're saved. And he's saying be careful you're not contentious. Let me give you what this word means. This word means stop striving, fighting, quarreling, arguing and debating. It means stop looking and looking for little things to fight about and learn to live in love and be perfect as God is in love. It means to stop being stubborn and to yield. And one of the scriptures it gives with this word is Matthew 22, 3. The Lord sent forth his servants to call them and they were bid to the wedding and they would not come. Can you imagine being invited? Jesus invites you to the wedding, you don't come. But every day he's inviting us to look and go into honor and immortality and perfection. He's charging us to go into these things. John 5, 40. And he will not come to me that you might have life. I'm telling you to come. I'm asking you to come. But Lord, I have these problems in my life. Well, come to me. Let me work with you in these areas. Let me deal with those areas. Let me show you this in, this, in, the, in my word how, how to get free of these areas. Because so many times we get used to living with our addictions and our habits and, and the things we know that doesn't please God. And it just gets deeper and deeper. And, you know, we think, well, we're saved. That's okay. But Paul is saying that's not okay. It's not okay. And so we can't learn to live stubborn like that. It also uses the word unrighteousness. That word unrighteousness in chapter 2, verse 8 means wickedness, iniquity, injustice, wrongdoing, evil lawlessness and it's still talking about us being careful not to give in to those areas of unrighteousness then it gives into the word uh, gives the word indignation in verse 8 it means God's anger against sin and that is what God's judgment is going to be in the end times is that his anger is going to rise up against sin and then in verse 8 it also gives the word wrath the word wrath there means God's wrath against sin. It is an anger that is felt more deeply and it rises more quickly. Anger is anger that arises from, listen to this, the anger of God in judgment arises from deep hurt. That's what that word thermos means there in the Greek. It's an anger that rises out of deep hurt. How many times have I called you? How many times have I reached out to you? How many times did you hear my servants warn you? And yet, you wanted to keep living the life you wanted to keep living. You wanted to keep turning a deaf ear and turning away and doing your own will. And the judgment rises out of a deep hurt. And we do not want to hurt God. Amen. It goes on to say, so that anger that arises out of a deep hurt, therefore, it bursts forth into terrifying judgment. I mean, even though God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he was patient in telling Abraham 
And Abraham interceded on behalf of the cities around Sodom and Gomorrah to where those were the only two cities killed instead of destroyed instead of many others. But God was patient even in the time of his destruction and that he was going to judge and destroy. And so it talks about this anger that arises out of a deep hurt. And uh, we do not want to be guilty of that. So there's some areas of our life that we know that it's breaking God's heart. Tonight's a good night to repent. Okay, church? Verse 9, it speaks of the word tribulation, thelipsis. It means a time of distress, oppression, suffering, affliction, pressure. It means to be pressed into some strait, in some narrow place that we cannot get out. Then verse 9, it gives also the word anguish. All of these words there are in verses 8 and 9. The word anguish means to be put into a narrow place, to be compressed together. An experience of extreme pain, sorrow, distress, affliction. It means this. It means an inner anguish manifesting itself as an outward affliction. There's something on the inside of me. You know, people say, I feel like I'm about ready to pull my hair out. A lot of times when it has to do with, you know, the kids are driving me crazy, my job's driving me crazy, and I'm about ready to pull my hair out. Well, that's what this is talking about here, that living in a consequence of rebellion and sin will get you into such a stupor that, that you would feel like you're about ready to pull your hair out, that there's such an anguish that's going to start manifesting on the outside where I've got to have pills to live. I've got to have drugs to live. I've got to have sin to live. I need something to calm this hurt and this pain on the inside. I'm going to try to drown it with something. And that's anguish of soul. And all you have to do to be free from that is to repent of your sin and turn. Turn from those ways. It uses the word judgment there in verses 11 and 15. Uh, it talks about judgment. The of God, the only living and true God, with his without respect of persons, that it will be executed in absolute impartiality showing no favoritism at all and I want to read that verse 14 and 15 to you it says for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law those who are not having the law are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience say that word with me their conscience their conscience also bearing witness between themselves that their thoughts accusing are excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now here he's talking about the conscience of man. Every man, no matter where they live, whether they've heard the gospel or not, their conscience is going to be their judge. We will be judged by what we have the opportunity to know. It speaks here about God being fair. Paul said those who didn't know had an unwritten law in their hearts. And I want to tell you what all this means right quick. It means they had the knowledge of right and wrong. That's why we have to be careful that we do what's right because we know what's right and wrong, don't we? But those people, they had a sense. People in other nations never heard the gospel. They had a sense inside of them. They, they know what's right or wrong. Even a, a pagan philosopher, a Greek philosopher wrote, each one has reason within the soul. Reason within the soul. The, one of the Greek words for the word reason is the word leadership. My conscience leads me. They have a conscience that leads them not to do that, not to go there, that that's wrong, that that's horrible. Sacri there's something wrong about sacrificing your children, so let's change all that. And so there's a conscience that starts trying to work on them to try to save them. And you can look in Psalm 62, verse 12. We won't read it now, but Psalm 62, verse 12 quotes this verse that each one has reason in their soul and will have an answer it talks about he's not having favoritism on anyone that he judges that he will judge them according to their deeds it talks about the conscience accusing us if we've broken anything and are equally condemned and just let me finish here with a definition on the word conscience because if you're praying for someone who's lost you need to pray for their conscience to wake up i was with somebody before church praying for a loved one for their conscience to wake up. that they, Because many times people say, Oh, I, I've heard all that. I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't need to hear no preacher. That may never give a chance to open the Word of God. But you can pray. Listen, this is a secret weapon. Pray that their conscience wakes up. That something inside them will tell them that's wrong. You know living with that person's wrong. You know doing that is wrong. 
And so you've got to pray for their conscience. And this is what the word conscience means. A person inner awareness that they're confirming to God or departing from God. It, it, will it be the result of being approved or condemned? Approved or condemned. In the Old Testament, you saw it in the life of David. David was smitten with his conscience after the prophet rebuked him that the child had died and that he was a murderer of Uriah. And you see in Psalms 19, and if you have a chance, you need to go read Psalms 19, especially in the New Living of the Bible. It talks about God is able to discern. This chapter there discerns it so much. We won't read it now. We've we got to close. But go read Psalms 19, the whole chapter, and read the New Living Bible. And there you will hear about how from the beginning of time, God has put a conscience within the heart of all people. And it starts off by saying that I've created the heavens and the earth and I've created things in the natural. I've created things to get my message across that I am God. And he talks about how he continues to do things to try to reach out to them. And if you're believing for, for, for a loved one, don't give up. You believe in Jesus' name that God is going to continue to reveal things and show them to them and catch them right in the nick of time and save them from death and destruction. Save them from hell. He's going to use things to get their attention because if he could get the attention of the heathen, and there's stories of heathen tribes that even started knowing that, there was, that, that they had a revelation that there has to be a God and there had to be a blood sacrifice. And that's why many times in Africa, many countries, they do blood sacrifice because they, they, they got a sense that there's something in the blood. There's just something inside of them as when they start meditating and, and God, God starts speaking to their innocent hearts and the eternity in their hearts to try to pull them and to give them a conscience but it goes on to talk about conscience is found most frequently in Paul's epistles conscience is by no means a final standard of moral goodness under both the old and new covenant conscience is only trustworthy when formed by the word and the will of God how many know it's just not don't 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 get leave here thinking I'm just gonna live according to my conscience your conscience has to be formed by the word of God amen the world will desensitize what God calls sin and judgment against sin, and therefore it, it just opened doors for all kinds of different things. And then let me give you this scripture. 1 Corinthians 8, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, 22 through 23 in the New Living Translation. Go, uh, when you have a chance, 1 Corinthians 10, 22 through, 20, through uh, 33, uh, read that about also the conscience of a person being formed by the word of God so that they don't go uh, where they're not, they're not supposed to. And then in verses 17 through 20 in Roman, uh, Paul talks about don't trust your blood heritage. Your blood heritage will not bring you to heaven. It will not promise you an eternity. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. But this, this is what Paul brings to their attention. And uh, you can go back and read it. Paul is saying this. You had the law. You knew the true God. You were supposed to be the light. And you were supposed to be the example for the world to know that Jehovah was the one true God. But instead of being the light and the example to the nations, you became like the nations. Therefore, you are condemned with a greater damnation than they are. You say you are God's people, but yet you condemn those people for their evil practices, and you believe you are God's people, and it exempts you from being judged for doing wrong. But you will be judged with a greater damnation because you had the truth. You were supposed to be an example. You were supposed to be a light. You were supposed to lead them to Jehovah, that they would convert to, to the Lord God. And instead of you being a light to them, you became one of them. Therefore, you will suffer greater punishment than those who are lost. As you study this, it just gets deeper and deeper. And I, I didn't want to go too deep. I didn't want to do a whole lot because there's just so many things that commentaries and all that they, they, they back away from. And I guess some things just remain a mystery. You don't, you don't, you, you don't know what's... You, you know that Christ is the only way to heaven. But yet at the same time, the true message was this final part to me that I know is the word and that you can see it here is that we have a responsibility to be a light in this world. We have a responsibility to live the truth, not to be a hypocrite, not to wear a mask, not to have a double life, but to have a single life and be a light to those who don't know Christ so that somehow you can be a written epistle or the word of God for someone else to see and to know there is a God, there is a Jesus. God can do a work in your marriage for the world to know that you can't get help from Dr. Phil and you can't get help from Dr. Oprah who's going to help you, but you can get help from Jesus Christ. That is what... It, 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 it comes to here about the importance about 
Okay, we say the Jews, they knew the one true God, but they, 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 didn't, sh they didn't bring the nations to the one true God, or they, weren't, they didn't reveal the one true God in the light that they had. Well, how about we as the church? Are we revealing to the world the one true God and His Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior, and the power of the Holy Spirit that is able to transform? Or do we have a light lit and we're hiding under a bushel so no one can know that I am a born-again Christian and my life has changed? Then when we stand before God, he says, you confessed me in secret, but you did not confess me before men. You had the light, but you hid the light because you were ashamed of me. Therefore, I'll be ashamed of you. And so that's what Paul ends right here on in, in, in this verse 20 about no, no matter what heritage you think you belong to. Or no matter who people you think you are, the most important thing is if you have known the Lord, did you reveal the Lord while you were living on this earth so that someone could see Jesus through you? And that's what holiness and aiming for honor and aiming for purity and aiming, aiming for uh, glory and honor and immorality, mortality, that's what that's all about. Those words I gave you to save people from, who have an opportunity to see that in you that they saved them from dying and going to hell. And how many of you know we've got to be a light to people at work? Church, we've got to be a light at work. Be a light. You're the message. You're the message. Because hell is real. I've had a vision of it. And people are in torment. And they are tormented forever. And how can we have, have the truth and know we're going to heaven? How can we truly rest and ignore telling someone about Jesus when we know that they're going to hell? It should be a heaviness on all of our hearts. God, give us passion for the lost. Amen. Let's stand. God, give us passion for the lost. Holy Spirit, Fan the flame for a passion for the lost. We hear the cry of the man that every day Lazarus begged for bread and all he got was the crumbs and he cried out for Lazarus to dip his finger in water and bring it on the tip of his tongue. And when Abraham finally told him that there was no way of doing that, he says, go, well, have someone go tell my five brothers who are still alive that they come into this place of torment also. Lord, there are people that we come in contact with who are heading for that place of torment. And no matter how rebellious or how hard or difficult they may seem to be, give us the passion and give us the courage and give us the grace and the wisdom, like Joseph, to better go even before Pharaoh and walk in such an area of wisdom and anointing with your presence within us that we can work in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and speak things into their life. They, and they'll say, how do you know that? Because God knows you and he's giving some revelation to, to show you he knows you and he wants to help you and he wants to save you. Make us fishers of men. Help us to work while there is still time to work. Give us ideas and, and, and Lord, help us to get revelations about our own life and our own testimony. And Lord, even as we were... Share, we, we saw tonight, even to understand that as I convert my weaknesses into strengths, I'm converting my message to transform the world. As I'm getting revelation how to get out of my sin, is to be the tools to better help others get out of their sins. What I'm doing to save me can be turned into revelation for them to better be saved also. Oh, give us a heart for people. That we may rescue them from hell. And that there may be a multitude before your throne praising you throughout eternity because you are so worthy and so wonderful and so glorious. Thank you, Father, that we know you and that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and the washing of the blood and that our names are in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Father, for saving us from hell. But Lord, we want to go farther than that. We want to live a life totally pleasing to you. 
And we want to honor you with works and good deeds. Not that that will take us to heaven, but oh, that would honor and glorify you. And that we could receive crowns to lay at your feet. We bless you and we honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God encourage you. I know this was a different type of a message, but I tell you, it, it makes you see people in a different light when you go into a store. When you see somebody fighting, you see somebody hurting. I got to tell that person about Jesus. I got to tell them. So I want to encourage you. Go forward. Keep be, be faithful. Be faithful about doing the things of God. Be faithful in praying for those, that person that is lost. Be faithful in, in us working on our own lives. And we're going we're gonna to see something before we get out of here. And we're going to bring all we can with us. Even the History Channel was saying yesterday, when the Christians go, what's going to happen to the world? Amen. So listen, I want to make a big vacuum when I'm gone. How about you? Love you. God bless you. Need prayer. We'll be here to pray with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, see you Sunday morning, 1030. Sunday school, 915. God bless.